Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Metcast, the official podcast of Manchester Metropolitan University. In each episode, we bring you interviews, insights and inspiration from students, staff, alumni and the wider world and share some of the great stories we've discovered from across the university. The podcast also supports Met Magazine, our online and print magazine for alumni, staff, students and friends, which is packed with news and features, think pieces, arts coverage, lifestyle articles and much more. You can find the very latest issue of Met Magazine on campus or head to mmu.ac.uk slash metmagazine where you can subscribe to the digital edition or check out our wider selection of podcasts, videos and articles online. From the cars we drive to the gadgets we use and the apps we interact with, the technological landscape around us is evolving in a digital revolution known as Industry 4.0. Earlier this year, Industry 4.0 in Action invited students, staff and those at the forefront of this revolution to explore how technology and businesses are working towards a brighter future. Hosted by our Faculty of Science and Engineering, the event featured a panel debate with representatives from Siemens, Airbus, Bosch, Rexroth, Autodesk, Sabisu and Gambica. This is part one of that panel discussion. So I think to kick off, maybe we do a quick introduction uh, across the panel. So I might start with Tim uh, to, my, to my left. Hey, so I, I'm Tim Butters. I'm uh, Head of Research and Development at Sabisu. So we're a, a Manchester-based software company that work with data in the process industries. I'm Victoria Montag. I am Sector Head for Industrial Automation at Gambica, which is the UK's trade association for uh, industrial automation technology. Technologies and process instrumentation and control. This is a long one. <laughs> Test and measurement and lab tech. <laughs> Hi, I'm Steve Parkinson. I lead education engagements for Autodesk. Uh, Autodesk are based in California. We produce software for people who make things. So I am Dave Challoner. I lead the automation team at Airbus Broughton in the UK. Um, I sit within the manufacturing technologies department which is responsible for industrial technologies such as drilling, fastening, machining, uh, forming and traditional uh, mechanical engineering type uh, disciplines. So hi again, Jeanette Kutter, IoT Solution Architect and Bosch and now I'm kind of upset that I'm only a mechatronics engineer. I'll study again. <laughs> we'll enrol you next year. So. <laughs> Uh, and I'm David Moss. I work for Siemens Research and Development uh, with a primary focus on digitalisation technologies. That's great. Thank you very much. Okay. So there is a tweet deck or Twitter feed running. So if you do have any questions, if you use the hashtag I4I8, uh, and the questions will come up there. And uh, one of my colleagues, I think Luke, will uh, uh, intervene every now and then with any burning questions from uh, from Twitter. So if you don't feel comfortable asking out loud, that's uh, that's another route. So. I think I'd like to kick things off by uh, looking at maybe your role, so kind of a short aspect of what's your kind of industry four focus within your own organization, because what we're seeing is industry four is <coughs> means different things to different people in different organizations, depending what sector we're from. So kick off again with Tim. So. Okay, yeah, so um, as I said before, we work mainly with process industries, so petrochemicals, chemical production. And generally, they don't talk specifically about Industry 4, but they, they call it digitization and digitalization. I think um, that's one of the issues of the terminology. Yeah, the concept's exactly the same. They just don't refer to it as, as I4. Um, for them, it's, it's about taking processes that are maybe manual at the moment and making them more automatic. Um, that's a, a huge part of it for, for the process industry because there's still a lot of manual measurements taken, things like that. But 
look into the more interesting stuff, that the reason to do that is to try and get this nice big data set that's quite varied from all the different things that you might have on the plant. So process data, but also log files, um, purchase orders, and then to be able to do something with it. And that's something they would like to do is gather insights that help them optimize the process, improve safety, um, try and make better spec products for, for less. It's, it's all around that, that sort of area. Um, and that's what we try to, to help them do. So it's very much like a, a data analysis, data focus, certainly from, from my role within the company. Um, but that's what we see in terms of industry. Do you see your role as a, an industry four role or is it, is it, is it wider than that? It's, so personally, um, my role, you know, you could put it all under the umbrella of Industry 4 because Industry 4 is, is quite broad. And if you're talking about um, data analysis and insight, um, then that's from a, an R&D perspective is, is what I do within the company is trying to take that data and, and do something with it that adds value in some way. So yeah, I would say it fits within Industry 4. I think it ties in with one of your slides earlier, Jeanette, about the, uh, you know, looking at the pump and looking at the maintenance schedules and some of what you've been doing, I guess, in oil and gas fits in yeah, that, that kind of monitoring. What I saw that is we have a very, very similar use case. I'm sure a different kind of pump, <coughs> but that's, that's exactly the kind of stuff that, that people want and need at the moment. Yeah. Great. Uh, Victoria? Um, so as we're a trade association, um, I represent the com companies who make industrial automation technology like Siemens, uh, Bosch and, um, and others. Um, and We're so, also members, aren't we? Yep. Uh, yeah. yep. <laughs> we also have a, a university sector, so um, Manchester, very proud member, I think. Um, so, and my particular uh, interest is that you can't really talk about um, industrial automation anymore without talking about Industry Four. I mean, there is a certain push um, in the UK to get people to automate their their processes, but. Um, Increasingly, you know, just by the nature of the technology and how they're transforming it, so you can't have that discussion without talking about industry four. Thank you, uh, Steve. Yeah, hi. So, um, yeah, we don't necessarily use the term industry four. Um, however, we have some thought leadership which we call the future of making, um, which is essentially the automation between design and make. Um, and if you were to package the future of making and turn it into a, a degree program then we feel that you'd have something like something virtually identical to the MSC in industrial digitalisation. And then also chucking into the fact that you've got all these technologies and <coughs> democratisation happening, you've also got these students on this programme, um, which represent uh, the fact that we've got digital natives, these, this new breed of workforce, the future engineers coming through, which are adding to that disruption. Um, so working between that's interesting yeah, the this is really, yeah. The business absolutely. <coughs> so this is quite unique. What's happening at Manchester Metropolitan from the universities that I certainly work with across Europe, um, in the sense that you've got typically I'd work with mechanical engineers, work with uh, industrial design programs, that type of thing. What's really fascinating, what's happening here, is it's coming from all different disciplines, and you've got the like, explosion, and then uh, from that the, the output is this course. So yeah, I think that's interesting. That point around the future of making, maybe making it more understand that comment around the definition, uh, where people maybe can relate to that maybe a bit more than Industry 4.0, what is that, and is it, is it something people can grasp onto a bit more? Yeah, I think sort of in a nutshell, the three points of the future making are the means of production are changing, uh, the customer demand is changing, and the products themselves are getting smarter. And uh, there's a lot of people in industry who are quite scared of that prospect, and they're not prepared for it. Um, and I guess the question is, you know, with regards to students and education is, do you 
embrace them, um, or do you get disrupted by them? Um, and I think that's a great, great point, and yeah. this course is really answering that. Yeah. And I think that's something we want to make sure we focus on today. Yeah. That, uh, you guys, when you leave, that you see some insights maybe from an industry four perspective that you can maybe integrate into your existing projects to strengthen your CVs and understand what I guess companies are looking for as well. So, uh, sorry, so Dave. Yeah, so I think for me, as, we, as I said earlier, we, we have quite a lot of what we would call sort of heavy industrial automation assets within Airbus. We're at the point with the type of design architecture that we have with aircraft where we're maybe at saturation point where we've identified all of those heavy assets, we've, we've automated those processes already. And we're now looking for new ways really to disseminate what we brand as light automation within our, within our business. So that could be things like cobots, um, things like robots working maybe not on the product but in manual activities to, to one side in preparation work preparation and that type of thing so i think as, a, as an automation team we see the business benefits and the continued incremental improvement coming from that type of that type of automation but also the digital aspects that we can extract from our existing automation assets so when the well is maybe somewhere close to drying up in terms of delivering big benefit with big heavy automation but we see that through the sort of things that in the in the Bosch presentation earlier we can use machine learning we can use data extraction we can do predictive maintenance we can find where we have inefficiencies um, and also within the aircraft industry maybe for the first time in commercial aviation we're coming to the sort of production rates that would actually you would may even call mass production in the past it's been more batch production the business case to invest in automation hasn't always been there and that's still a challenge. Um, so we're looking at ways with high production rates on single aisle aircraft programs where we need to become more efficient, less manual, more repeatable and we see Industry 4.0, even though we don't call it Industry 4.0 either. What, what um, do you call it? We're in the language of digitalization, um, connected manufacturing, connected industry. Digital transformation, that kind of Exactly. We're, we're doing Industry 4.0. Maybe we don't brand it under one umbrella. We don't have an Industry 4.0 team. Uh, but we're doing it in little ways all around the business. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> also, now coming back to that dual strategy I showed before, um, now being part of this provider side of the Bosch strategy, thinking about what can we offer to the market. Um, it's, uh, it's my daily business to be part of the process to explore what are the use cases, also the upcoming use cases, and uh, how what might we solve them with regard to technology and, uh, and business. And that's a very interesting point to make because as shown in the videos beforehand, uh, we start with a certain set of hard skills, but it's actually exploring what are the relevant pain points that I could solve. And especially the interesting point is have that disruptive potential, in my case, even for my own organization. So where, where to embrace the change instead of getting lost with it. So I have this really, really cool job where I get to work with the UK research base, so whether that's universities, whether that's government research facilities uh, and other, other similar bodies, uh, so the catapults for example, um, to see what technology is out there, to see how we can embrace that technology, and it's a two-way thing, so we're obviously very interested in those guys knowing more about Siemens products and services. Um, but this is really to help a 170-year-old traditional manufacturing organisation that does move with the times, that does disrupt, but actually to get an advantage 
um, using the technologies that, that I guess we're going to be talking about and we've spoken about already this morning to see how we can get those to be filtered through Siemens as an organisation to make us future-proof for, for, for the, the coming decades. Okay. Sorry, I thought you were going to say something there, Steve. Or, yeah. uh, so, and what we're looking at as well is, I guess, when you, uh, you're hiring new graduates now, what, what kind of skill sets are you looking for? So, so uh, I can give you a really, really good example. So, um, we are a, I'm going to say we're a traditional manufacturing organisation. We're not a traditional manufacturing organisation, but you know, our heritage is in engineering and manufacturing. Um, so typically, over the years when we go out for graduate recruitment, we have recruited the best engineers, the best people to come in and work for Siemens. Now, we still want to recruit the best engineers, but actually I think we're looking for engineers with an additional something else as well. So we have our uh, industrial IoT platform. Um, what's really helped us this year is, is taking people in from uh, with engineering degrees, but actually they've got some coding experience as well. They've got some design knowledge. So that when we have to produce applications, when we need to build applications for our customers, whether they're proof of concepts or whether they're in actual industrial product pro projects, those guys can come in and actually we don't need to spend as long training them. They can step up to the mark pretty, pretty quickly. And actually, if they've got additional skill sets, there are various um, ways that they can move within our organization as well. So they won't just be pigeonholed into one area. They won't just be doing one job. And they can help to train the rest of the organization as well. So I have, I have one fantastic graduate working for me at the moment who does exactly that. He's, he's got a first-class engineering honors, but in his spare time, He's a, he's a coder, and in his spare bedroom in his house, and this is probably very, very sad, apparently it's full of servers and computers <laughs> and screens and everything. You know, I don't want to be him, but actually I'm very grateful that I've got him working on my team as well. So additional skill sets as well. It's uh, quite interesting, I think, and it, uh, it taps into that, that aspect that we can't just be, I suppose, you know, an expert in one thing. We need to have that, that yeah. range. Um, is it something similar in, for the rest of you when you're with the, the graduates yeah, you're hiring? Traditionally for us, we, we have graduates, we also have internal apprenticeship schemes that, that lead to, you know, to uh, B-Eng level training. And traditionally we focus on mechanical engineering, aeronautical engineering, but we don't necessarily design aircraft in our plants, we're a very industrial plant. Yeah. So we're leaning more now towards data analytics skill sets, robotic skill sets, Things that, things that will give us the advantage uh, in terms of integrating improvements to our existing assets uh, rather than maybe conceptual design of a new aircraft. It's, um, it's around those new technologies that can actually make a difference with what we've got as well as the incremental improvements with the new technology. Perhaps just to amend one thing, like the one challenge we have with our HR colleagues is at the moment that the typical profiles are not fitting anymore. Uh, but furthermore, I'm just coming back from discussion we had within my team since we are currently looking for a new colleague. Um, and like on the prior one topic was you're open-minded and happy to be an active member of an agile team. Um, so that, that whole set of soft factors, so that willingness to learn new things, uh, the willingness to work in cross-functional teams gets by far more important than the actual professional background you have, right? Like if I take a look at my daily schedule, 
only a very small portion of it is the hard skills I've tagged from university. Of course, I take along like my ability to learn and a systematic way of working and, and scientific way of working, but furthermore, like you have to have that certain mindset of working in this explorative way and, um, and, yeah, and sharing that new way of working together. Can I? Yeah. yeah I don't think that's said often enough. Um, you know, um, the question that's often asked. You know, what skills do we need in the, in the future? And we say, yeah, there's going to be like more interdisciplinary uh, courses like like yours. Uh, it's great to see that you have uh, students coming back from you know art backgrounds and yep. um, textiles and, and and so on. So not just from engineering. I've got to say we've got colleagues from the business school and yeah, business law faculty here today as well. So it starts to show that yeah. Yep, it's wider than engineering, and I, I don't. I think in the not too distant future, you, you'll um, it will be tough to come across a sort of a pure science degree in the future because you just can't you can't have these sort of silos anymore. But the uh, lifelong learning thing, I don't think that's mentioned enough. The ability to learn because technologies are changing so quickly at the moment. You know, I could say to your students, you all have to learn this um, coding language. Actually, it's not that language. It's the ability to learn how to code. It's, yeah. it's you know, that's because things change. So, um, yeah, I think the ability to learn is, is very important. Yeah. I think something you mentioned, Dave, as well, is this, you know, uh, that skill set and actually embedding that then within other people in the organisation. And I know we've got colleagues from Dell in today, and they mentioned that you run reverse mentoring within your organisation. And is that something you're doing at Siemens now as well, or is that becoming a wider thing now? The yeah, reverse yeah. mentoring concept. Very much so, and it's a challenge that we face. You know, we have um, a, a lot of the people that we employ have been with the company all of their lives. You know, um, a lot of them are getting towards retirement age. Actually, you know, we still need those guys to to relearn, to reskill, and to skill up. I've got a colleague. Uh, you know him, so Alan Norbury, and he has a fantastic presentation, which is Alan was an apprentice in the 1970s, and he's got the big afro and the flares and everything. <laughs> and the sorts of work that he would be doing is um, uh, welding, soldering, banging stuff with a hammer, using a screwdriver, and, and so on and so forth. And then fast forward um, 40 plus years, and there's a picture of Alan, not with the afro anymore, um, <laughs> but you know, with the VR goggles on and everything like that. So fantastic example of how we're changing. The problem is there's only one Alan. We need to bring you know sort of all the Alans up to that and everything. Alan avatars, do you? <laughs> Virtual Alans, Alan's digital twin. Um, uh, so yes, there's, there's, there's a constant reskilling, um, re-education process that's required to adopt these new technologies. I think there's I've heard as well this kind of generational aspect as well that. Uh, and there's that challenge, and I think we've been speaking to some companies as well that you know shorter courses maybe for you know people who've been in the company longer and might need that support on enhancing their digital skills. And I think I think there's a challenge to, 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 to I'm going to say me as well. So you know we need to we, we walk into an organisation, we work for an organisation, and we think we know it all, and we don't uh, almost pay enough attention to the youth within our organisation and the adoption of trends that we don't maybe know about. Um, uh, it, it, apparently I'm not down with the kids anymore. <laughs> I've seen that from your tweets. So. seen that from my tweets. No, so I, was, I was talking to one of the graduates the other day and, um, and I thought I was making a joke. Um, we were talking about CDs, compact discs, and I said CDs are what we used to have before we had downloads. 
my graduate came back straight away and said, downloads of what we had before we had Spotify. (laughs) 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 Rushed me. Yeah. And I thought, oh, yeah. (laughs) Any other points on that or any comments on that? Well, just to just to sort of add to what everyone's already sort of said there, and we, I certainly know that um, at Audis we, we we create software, okay, and that's the tool set, and then a layer above that we've got the skill set which we've spoke about there. I think we do need to mention that actually. Autodesk is different. We don't directly employ people as such, but we have a lot of customers who take a lot of graduates in every year. And what they're looking for is that mindset. So you've got the level of tool set, skill set, mindset. And I think that's what's extremely different. And a couple of examples of that are we've got a program called the Future of British Manufacturing Initiative, which is specifically aimed at SMEs, small businesses there, who are struggling with digitalisation. Um, and examples from that include, so typically a student would go on a work placement and we, we, we call that in the Future British Manufacturing Initiative uh, a digital catalyst. And traditionally a student would go on to a work placement and they'd probably you know, sweep the floor, watch, make cups of coffee, learn from that person who's done the job for 40 years. But what the Digital Catalyst programme does is actually the student take in the, t- the skill set and the tool set, which they're a digital native, they've already got that, with the mindset and they look to innovate in that company. And we've got examples there of students going into industry and, and reducing workflows by 75%, uh, making companies more profitable, making companies more innovative and productive. And I think that's really, for me, the power of what young people can do now. Uh, so, any questions from the audience at this stage or anyone want to chip in? Steve, Steve Jones. Do you want to get the mic to you? Hi, uh, Steve Jones from the John Moore University. There's a lot of work going on at the moment with industry and academia trying to bring the two together, and particularly with industry trying to help academia to, to understand and embody the, you know, the industry 4.0 concept in terms of curriculum. And the Siemens curriculum, which I know obviously that you're part of, you know, an example of that. I just wanted to ask the panel. Um, what, what do they think is missing at the moment from the curriculum that universities and, and the sector delivers? And, and also, even more crucially, what can they offer? What can the industry offers academia? What would they suggest that we can really do? Thank you for that. Any, who wants to take that one? Steve, you're looking you, like. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, I, mean, I guess I go to a lot of universities, and um, what I see is traditionally you'd come from a mechanical engineering programme. Uh, you know that's the that's the degree that probably people would associate. Let's say, and what I see there is a is a lot of mechanical engineering degree programs from very very well established universities, where students aren't actually engaging with anything electronic, anything microcontroller based or anything like. That. And they're, they're leaving a program with a first class honours degree, um, yet they've done nothing digital. And I think they're missing a massive opportunity there. Um, I think that's a key part of that. Um, from, from what I see, and it varies, but on the whole, um, I was quite surprised, John, in our desk working with universities, just maybe how um, outdated some of the thought processes were there. Yeah. Um, maybe, uh, sorry, and a lot of the mechanical engineering programmes probably are still the same curriculum as what your colleague w- was on as well. Mm-hmm. It's quite interesting to see that. Yeah, and you, you engage a lot with universities, don't you? And you've got this Autodesk University. And yeah. So, so in, in the UK we work with, um, well in the UK, Germany, um, uh, North America, Japan, China, we work with 
10 leading universities in each of those focus countries. And we're looking for something different from those universities. We're not just looking for any university. We're not looking for league tables. We're not looking at anything like that. We're looking at universities that are beginning to disrupt the way the future of making is going to emerge. Um, hence the reason for working with Manchester Met on that, who are really leading the way with Print City and with the MSC programme, which, to my knowledge, is probably the first in Europe to do anything like this. As far as we know, it's as far as we know, certainly, uh, certainly as far as I know, I don't know if you know. Well, if you look at the UK list in the UK, it's, it's yeah. the only one with that title and focus on that. Yes, please. So, uh, Gambica, um, you know. Um, we come from obviously from a completely different perspective, but um, something that I experienced uh, a number of a couple of years ago was um, I had my members, so the, my Siemens and my um, Bosch and uh, you know my Rockwell Automations, and saying we can't find people for these jobs. We're really really struggling to employ these people. And then on the other hand, you have these uh, graduates coming out of university and they can't get jobs. So you know you saw there was a bit of a disconnect. So um, we set up the university sector within Gambica um, and. Uh, Carl's been very supportive of that. And uh, the idea of that is to take what we do at Gambica, which is to form a consensus within an industry. So it's great that um, individual companies interact with the universities and they go and say, well, we need this and, and so on. But you're seeing that, that company's issue and you're not seeing the whole of the industry's issue. So the idea of, of having a university sector is that we get an industry consensus of you know what is missing, what is missing from um, the industrial automation sector, what is missing from you know the wider digitalisation and so on, and then we can share that you know we can put them together with universities, not just one university, but you know um, yep. British universities. Anybody who wants to join, they're more than welcome to, um, and uh, and you get that that direct. It, it's not the Siemens point of view, it's not the Bosch point of view, but it's the industry point of view, and you get get better engagement that way. I think, so I don't know if you said it or, or your colleague Scott at some point about uh, with the university memberships that you have now that your members were very excited yeah. to have and I guess I would have assumed that people 